0: I would ask you to please turn with me this morning to the letter of James in chapter 1 and verse 12. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The subject before us this morning is the significance of loving God. The significance of loving God. This letter was written by one of the apostles, James, the son of Alphaeus. James, with Peter and John, uh, was described by the apostle Paul as being a pillar in the church at Jerusalem. His testimony was that of a godly, a trustworthy, a praying, wise man. And inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, James in this first part of his letter is teaching us about the purpose of the trials of faith. The trials and exercise with faith actually produces the fruit of patience. It produces maturity. It produces a dependence upon God. So God is working through the trials. These experiences are not happening by chance. They are all in God's all wise, sovereign purposes. James then teaches how faith in this exercise also brings humility and it brings a perspective of looking forward to glory. It helps us to understand that the Lord's people are pilgrims on a journey. There is a destination, and the destination is glory, an eternal inheritance reserved for you. By contrast, James says, the materialistic man who relies upon his riches His life is taken up with the passing pleasures of this world. And he's uh, 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 like a fading flower, relying on things which are depreciating, which are passing away. But here we come to verse 12 now, and James moves on to teach the significance of loving God as he matures us by Trials. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. To them that love him. Now, the first word in our text, in verse 12, is blessed. And this word, traditionally translated into English, has the meaning of Possessing an inward contentment, an inner peace, an inner joy that actually rises above life's circumstances. And that is something which is a great gift of God to the Lord's people. This is not stoicism. This is blessedness. It is an inner peace uh, uh, which is enabled by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. To be blessed, then, in the truest sense of the word, must mean to be divinely favored by God. Happiness is an emotion, and it's based upon a favorable situation. Rather, blessedness is an endowment from God. It is a spiritual state and condition ordained by God, which is not dependent necessarily upon favorable circumstances. The apostles, when they were persecuted, counted it a joy that they were worthy to suffer shame for his name. Paul and Silas in the dungeon uh, there uh, uh, in Philippi, uh, they were singing praises at midnight. This is blessedness, friends. This is an amazing gift of God's people, uh, that God can be with you in the very most difficult situation in your life if you are trusting in him that he can give you an inner peace blessedness blessed of the Lord in a blessed state the psalmist said blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor sitteth and standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. Blessedness, blessed. It's a divine favor to be a child of God. If we are a child of God this morning, and we are trusting in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and our hope is in his precious blood, and we're seeking to walk and to follow him, as the Savior and Lord of our life. We're divinely favored. We've been adopted into the family of God. We're a child of God in his family, divinely favored. And the scriptures tell us that we uh, are enriched with heavenly blessings. Uh, we, uh, sins are not imputed to us. They are forgiven, pardoned, as we have already been reminded of. We are in a covenant with God. We're within God's covenant of grace and favor, which cannot be broken. We're secure. We're assured in Him. And we have exchanged a deserved destination, hell, for a grace destination, heaven, all of God's favor, all according to God's grace in Christ Jesus the Lord. We have the first fruits of the kingdom by the Holy Spirit. We have a God-given desire for spiritual fruitfulness to be of use in this world, to be a blessing to others. We that have been blessed want to be a blessing to others. And so uh, this word blessed is a deep word, it's a profound word, and it expresses the divine favor of God toward you as one of his people. But this blessed man This blessed person is enduring temptation. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. There's an experience here, a struggle going on, a battle with the forces of evil uh, against uh, uh, Satan, which is trying uh, to overturn us. And yet in a wonderful way, God is using that experience to mature us as his people and so, James speaks to us about enduring. Enduring. Enduring has the meaning of abiding in that situation in obedience to God. Under temptation, under trial. It's resisting the, tri- the, the, the temptation. It's enduring through that experience. It's persevering in the way. It means to endure with patience and God-given strength and fortitude uh, and following God's direction in that temptation. It means using the wisdom and the provision of God in the warfare that we have against the devil. And so uh, Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse uh, 11, uh, he says, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take in the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watchful in there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So this is God's pattern, friends. There is a way in which we endure uh, temptation. And the word temptation here uh, is the same word that is used when the Lord Jesus himself was tempted of the devil in the wilderness. And the context of the word used here in our verse is for the believer to, when they resist temptation, our faith is being strengthened. So there are two things happening. There's an exercise, we are enduring, we are resisting But like in a gym, as you continue on that workout, your muscles are being strengthened. And so it is with the soul. As we endure, uh, there's another uh, experience happening in our life. We are becoming stronger and stronger uh, uh, against uh, these uh, temptations, enduring. And so what Satan means it for evil to overcome us, As we resist, as we endure, God strengthens us to overcome the temptation in the strength of the Spirit of God. So friends, we have to recognize this morning, the blessed man is in a battle. The blessed person is in a warfare. The blessed person is not going to heaven in an armchair. There's a battle going on. We are battling against the flesh. There is an army, as the hymn writer said, and every believer, two armies are seen, the new man of grace and the old man of sin. For in Christ he is perfect and free from all sin, yet in himself evils are both seen and felt. There's this battle going on, uh, this battle between the flesh and the spirit, the old nature, the new nature. And this is a battle which actually we have to be engaged in as a believer. We need to fight. We need to endure with God's help. And there's a resistance required. And in this resistance, there's a dependence that we have to have. We cannot do this in our own strength. Left to ourselves, we will just completely be rolled over by the devil. But we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We can endure in him. The Apostle Peter said, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Oh, we can do it, friends. With God's help, we can come through. We can endure in Christ, who strengthens us, looking unto Jesus, trusting in him and in him alone. And the wonderful thing is, as we look to the Lord Jesus, We're looking to a person that has endured temptation himself, that has endured trial in a perfect way. We read in the letter to the Hebrews, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. We come to a merciful and gracious high priest, Uh, who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We have a compassionate high priest. He knows about the struggles. He knows about the the way uh, Satan is so intent on overwhelming you and hindering you and upsetting you. Oh, come to the Lord Jesus. He knows. And remember that in this trial, in this endurance, there is something very wholesome going on. As we endure, God is strengthening his people. Remember Joseph? He was uh, tempted and he resisted uh, and he suffered for it. He's thrown into prison. Had the Lord forgotten Joseph in prison? No. We read uh, that uh, uh, the word of the Lord was testing him. He was being tested and tried even in the prison until his time came. And the Lord had prepared this man through suffering, even through temptation, to be a leader. A leader. Well, this word temptation is also used in the context of trials and tribulations. David said, it is good that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The trial of affliction, friends. Again, uh, this is uh, how a, a believer will come to this situation. It's a struggle. It's painful. It, it can p- can be uh, uh, very nervous for you. Wondering where the scene will end. But God is doing something even through the affliction. This is most wonderful. David said, and only a believer can say this, really, It is good that I've been afflicted. Why? That I might learn something of the ways of God. Something of the word of God. Job said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God is dealing even with some dross in my life, and I go into the furnace of affliction, and the dross comes to the top, and then when the gold is poured forth, God has done something wonderful. It's not wasted. It's not wasted. Although Satan means the attacks against Job uh, for evil, God overruled them for Job's spiritual sanctification. Tempted and tried. When he is tried. When he is tried. Well, uh, the uh, word uh, tried here uh, means (coughs) to be approved in the trial. That means to be found sincere in the trial. You have been tested by temptation or trial, and actually the trial has been confirming to you inasmuch as the Lord has brought you through. And it's proved I am a child of God. God has helped me. God has kept me. And God has brought me through. Oh, wonder of all wonders, I know it was only God. Only he could have brought me through this affliction, this situation, this trial, this temptation, this tribulation. But the wonder of it all is, it's had a confirming effect upon me. The Lord has heard, the Lord has answered prayer. And I see now, in a deeper way, that I am actually one of his children looking unto Jesus. So as we consider this verse, though, we may feel overwhelmed with the challenge of endurance. But please remember the secret of your relationship, the secret of the Christian life, is about your relationship with Jesus Christ the Lord. And as you look to him, and as you trust in him, And as you see, an increase in beauty and all sufficiency in the Lord Jesus. With Jesus, you can come through. As Jesus is your shepherd, and as Jesus is walking ahead of you, as it says in Psalm 23, He leadeth me, He goes before me. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord Jesus is there with His people, my friends. our understanding High Priest, and again we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And at this point, we must ask ourselves the question, in the context of blessedness and endurance and being approved in the trial, am I resting upon Christ? Am I trying to endure this situation in my own strength, in my own wisdom? in my own ingenuity? Or actually, is the trial bringing me to a deeper dependence upon the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? Whereupon, we might say with a hymn writer, and really say it by faith in sincerity, I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. The foundation of your Christian life is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Only on this foundation can you be sure and steadfast and immovable. On the rock of ages founded, what shall shake thy sure repose? For the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. Remember how the Lord Jesus gave that um, parable? of the two houses, one built upon the sand, one built upon the rock. And it was the one upon the rock that endured. And it reminds us that for our Christian life, it needs to be resting truly by faith upon the rock, Christ a Jesus. Lord, help me to endure. Our departed, beloved brother, John Barker, when he was uh, uh, a director in standard telephone and cables, having to face many challenges of a a technical nature, used to say to us as a family, I would constantly be praying, Lord, help me. That was my prayer. Lord, help me. The Lord was with him in the office, in the factory, in the church. Live it unto the Lord. Lord, help me. Lord, bring me through. This is the testimony of the Christian, uh, beloved friends. Now then, it says here something most wonderful. Which the, uh, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to those that love him. This crown of life. Well, this is something most wonderful. It's eternal life a glorious inheritance in heaven to those that have spiritual life, a crown of life which is reserved in heaven for you. Paul uh, said to Timothy, Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearance when the chief shepherd appears, Peter tells us, you will receive the crown of glory that fadeth not away. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. This is God's promise to you this morning. It's not all for nothing, the Christian life. It's all for everything. It's all for everything. All for heaven, all to be with Jesus in glory, all to see his face and never, never sin, and there from the rivers of his grace drink endless pleasures in. Oh, friends, heaven will be a life of absolute fullness, filled with the Spirit, only bearing fruit for God's glory. Heaven will be a life of absolute emancipation. Freedom of the mind, no limits. Be able to understand in a way we've never been able to understand before. To, to see the Lord Jesus as he is. To take in his glory. There may be nothing between. No old nature to fight with. Absolute perfection and glory. Old friends, emancipation. Heaven will be total unity with brothers and sisters in Christ. No barriers. All one in Christ. Heaven will be life. uh, Living on the light. Looking unto the light. And the light will be Jesus Christ. And the Lord has promised this to those that love him. Now the letter of James teaches very much about the challenges of the Christian walk. The importance of works as a fruit of faith, uh, the importance of bringing the old nature under subjection to the new, thus the new nature positively affecting our behavior, our speech, our attitudes. It teaches us about perseverance, enduring. It warns us uh, uh, and it exhorts readiness for the second coming of Christ. It reveals to us the marks of true religion and the marks of a false profession. It teaches about prayer. It teaches about confession, the duty of soul winning. Oh, James, is a letter which describes that true Christianity is faith evidenced by works, lifestyle, serving the Lord. However, having said all that about something of what is contained in this letter, James is teaching us here this morning that when all is done and said, it comes down to one essential truth. Do you love God? Because the crown of life is given to those that love Him. To those that love Him. The promise of God is to those that love Him. Now this morning we come to this great question in the final part of my message. And this is the greatest question that can ever be asked you. Do you love God? You can only love God if he's first loved you. And this is our question this morning. For without love, our profession is without substance. It may be well-meaning, But it is not true. Deep down in our inner being, we know whether or not we love God. Paul makes such a strong emphasis upon this in his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest of these is love. There's faith, there's hope, but the greatest of these is love. And I want us just, just to turn, if you would, with me to uh, the Gospel of John and chapter 21. The Gospel of John and chapter 21, and these will be uh, concluding remarks. I want to look at this example of the Apostle Peter in his restoration with the Lord Jesus. And you see here in John chapter 21 how love is the essential key. Lovest thou me, Peter? Now Jesus chose this time to restore Peter to himself and it was to be for Peter by way of direct contrast to the three denials that he'd had of the Lord around the fire prior to the Calvary. Here again he is around another fire on the beach and he was called three times to affirm his love for the Lord and it was done publicly to testify to the other disciples of his restoration and Jesus deals with this by speaking about faithfulness and fruitfulness faithfulness he asked peter a vitally important question three times with regard loyalty to jesus faithfulness to jesus lovest thou me more than these lovest thou me lovest thou me and three times Peter is asked this question uh, to uh, remind him of the three times that he denied his Lord. And we see this uh, account given to us from verse fifteen onwards. I just want to look first, just briefly at the manner in which Peter asked Jesus asked Peter the first question. Lovest thou me more than these? That is in verse 15. Simon, son of Jonas, uh, lovest thou me more than these? That is Simon Peter. Now this is a very deep question for us this morning. Now there are two ways of looking at this question that the Lord Jesus gave to Peter. The first way, we can look at it very practically actually, which is very helpful I think. Peter had just caught a great haul of fish. By trade, he was a fisherman. Remember, he'd backslidden, and maybe Satan was saying to Peter, look, Peter, you go back in business. This serving the Lord, being a disciple of the Lord, Peter, it's a harsh business. You failed, Peter. Maybe the Lord doesn't love you anymore. Maybe he's going to cast. Look, Peter, look at those fish. They could make a great price on the market, Peter. And those of us who have perhaps uh, had an experience of running a business and we go into the ministry called by God and we hit a storm, I can assure you, Satan comes along and he reminds you of a contract you'd won uh, uh, previously and the profit that it brought um, how exciting it was. And you have to resist. So here is Peter, and he's asked a very important question by the Lord Jesus. And it's the question that we have to ask ourselves. It's a question that the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Lovest thou me more than these? Uh, do you love me actually more than your work? More than material gain? Than your house, your car, your garden, your house, your computer. This is a deep question. Do you love me more than these, Peter? Does Peter love Jesus more than anything and anyone else even in his life? It's not speaking here about the strength of Peter's love. It's speaking about the sincerity of Peter's love. The sincerity, does it come from the heart? Do you love me more than these, Peter? Your old lifestyle, your traditions? Peter, do you love me, though, secondly, in a greater way than the other disciples? For Peter had previously boasted, uh, even if all are made to stumble because of thee, I will never be made to stumble. So Jesus by this question is gently re- correcting Peter. Can you any can you say uh Peter now that you love the uh, love me more than these other disciples these other believers that you will never stumble Peter couldn't say it in that way not in a proud way. So why does Jesus ask this particular question of Peter, because love for Christ is at the heart of all real belief. If you want to know this morning whether or not you are converted, or whether or not you are saved, or whether or not you are a child in God's family, this is the question you must ask of yourself. Jesus does not say to Peter, Peter have you cried enough now? Have you repented enough, enough now? Have you wept enough now? Peter, are you really sorry for what you have done in denying me? That was true, but that was not the question. Peter, are you sure that you are chosen, disciple, before coming to me again? Well, you know, he, he doesn't ask Peter a theological question. Peter, he doesn't say, how much do you remember what I've taught you over these three years? Jesus does not say to Peter, Peter, how do you feel? But Jesus says to Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And this is the question this morning. Do we love the Lord Jesus? Do we love the Lord Jesus more than these? Is it a concern for you? For the love the Lord is speaking of here, of, to Peter, is a wholehearted, sincere love. It's a heartfelt love. And the answer of Peter to Jesus demonstrates that he does truly love the Lord in sincerity and with humility. And he rests his case upon the Son of God who understands that his love comes from his heart. You know all things. Sincerity. He is no longer boastful about the strength of his love. He is no longer boasting about the greatness of his love. Actually, in the original, he uses a lesser word for love, meaning affection and attachment to, a sincere love. He doesn't even claim, actually, to the loyal type of love that Jesus is asking him about in the first two questions. In, lovest thou me more than these? Uh, And then, uh, lovest thou me? No. No. Gone is the self-confident Peter comparing himself favorably to the faithfulness of others. The third time the Lord Jesus asks the question in this account, he actually uses the identical word for love as to the one Peter is using. What Peter can say is that he does love the Lord Sincerely and from his heart, and in mercy, Jesus comes to Peter where he is, and he probes right into his heart. He comes to where Peter is, and as the Lord Jesus uh, probes into Peter's heart and says the third time. Lovest thou me, Peter? Using the same word as Peter has been saying, Thou knowest that I love thee. Then the cry of faith comes out. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And this is the cry of faith, friends. And I trust this is where you can come this morning. You perhaps cannot boast of a a, a great love, a strong love. And it concerns you that your love is not as strong as you would like it to be. But you can say this morning, I love the Lord sincerely. Uh, It is my chief complaint that my love is cold and faint. Yet I love thee and adore. Oh, for grace to love thee more. This is sincere love, (laughs) friends. And you can come this morning and you can say by faith to the Lord Jesus, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And Peter's restoration began as he came in humility and dependence upon the Lord. And he rests his whole case, his whole being in the Lord's hands. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. This is faith. And maybe yourself, maybe uh, yourself this morning, as we come to conclusion, you can say, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. But Lord, like Peter, I have failed. Lord, like David, there's been times when I've been carried away with the lust of the flesh. And Lord, like Moses, I've been an angry man at times. I've got an angry in an angry spirit, Lord, and Lord, like Jonah, I've tried to away, run away from God. And Lord, like John Mark, I've failed you and had to be restored again. and Lord, I confess that I'm an unworthy servant, absolutely dependent upon thy grace. I cannot say much, O oh Lord. But I can say this, in all sincerity with Peter, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And it is my heartfelt desire to follow him, the one who has done so much for me, who has come from heaven to this sin-sick world to live a perfect life and go to Calvary and there to suffer, bleed and die for the sins of all those that put their trust in him and those that love him. O Lord, I know as I sit here this morning in the secret place of my heart that I love the Lord's people. Here are my best friends, my kindred dwell, here God forever reigns, And thy word says to me this morning, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And Lord, I see this morning the absolute significance of love to depend upon Christ. And thy word says to me, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And Lord, I follow thee. And I know there's going to be consequences. I know it's going to be difficult. But Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And I want to follow thee by faith, trusting in thee, looking unto thee, trusting in thee at all times, all depending upon Christ. And this is my prayer. Like the hymn writer said, love divine or love excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion. Pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Comfort every sinking heart, O Lord. Kindle a flame of love divine in this cold heart of mine. Oh, that we might pray for the Spirit of God to be at work in our souls, for the first fruit of the Spirit is love. May love prevail. May love conquer. For the greatest of all is love. And this is God's promise uh, this morning uh, to all those that love him. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, For when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. May the Lord bless and keep you. Amen. We conclude with number 667. Hark, my soul, it is the Lord. Tis thy Saviour, hear his word. Jesus speaks and speaks to thee. Say, poor sinner, lovest thou me? Six, six, seven. May the grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and continue with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.